there were times where I had to pick between my mates and my wife when I was young, young, young. We've been together a long time. Like we, there was times where I'd let her down, times when I let them down, and I just I was fighting that losing battle, especially with where you're from and who you're drinking with and carry on. Like you just did that. Everyone does it. My mates do that. Friday night they go out, they come home Saturday. It's all good. Like they just they're still doing that. But I thought that was going to be me forever. But it got to a stage where, especially in my line of work and some of my actions, man, I couldn't. That couldn't be. We couldn't be doing. I can't be doing that. And that's not what I who I wanted to be. It was just a vicious cycle. So I pulled away from him, and I'm proud I did, man. It was super hard. It's not like a band aid. You don't just rip it off. It's a wound that's still, you know, infected, and it still comes up. But sacrifices. I keep talking about it, man. I've sacrificed heaps, and I still will sacrifice stuff, and I sacrifice a lot of things for my family, which is, you know, that's non negotiable for me. But I've sacrificed stuff in my personal life, and I'm going to stick with it. That is former professional rugby league player and now professional TV host, Bo Ryan. And this is episode 310 of Better Than Yesterday. G'day, welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. Today's show is with uh, former NRL player, professional rugby league player, Bo Ryan. He's now a uh, quite a successful television host. Uh, you can find Bo on Twitter and Instagram. He's got uh, the same name there, The Real, B-E-A-U, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, The Real Bo Ryan. You can find him there. More about Bo in just a minute. If you're new to this show, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. If uh, Who am I? I'm Osher Ginsberg. I, I work in TV. I, I make this show, I write books, I swing a kettlebell, I lift a sandbag. Um, I have a collection of photos on my phone of pictures of the inside of nappies of my newborn son um, that my wife has sent me so I can be across the consistency of the poop. Uh, it's a fact and that's fine because when you have a newborn, that's you, it's important. You're like, wow, what's going on there? <laughs> He hasn't even eaten corn yet. Uh, yeah, so that's going on. Um, yep, yeah, I've got a teenager. I've got an 11-week-old boy and, uh, and a wonderful wife and two stupid dogs. And um, I make this podcast every single week. Uh, what is it? It's just a conversation. It's a conversation designed to help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. I guarantee it in, in the next hour and a bit, you're going to hear something that's going to make you go, oh, yeah, I never considered that before. And as a result, today comes a little bit better than it was that you experienced yesterday. I do always love to see where you listen to the show. Thank you so much for the folks who send in a picture of where they're listening. Send Osher email at gmail.com is my email address. I'm really easy to find. Uh, I've got a cracking one from Eddie. Eddie's in East Arnhem Land. Just trying to have a think about where that is. Do some geography in your brains. It's like super remote Indigenous Australian community. He's working up there as a school engagement leader. Him and his wife work up there and uh, he just sent some incredible photos. I'm not going to lie, just brought tears to my eyes. It's part of Australia that many, many, many people in this country don't even exist, don't even acknowledge, don't even understand is there. And my goodness, man, Eddie, you're doing great work. I'm super grateful that you listened to the show. Tara sent some cracking pictures of the ducks at her folks' place at Palmwoods on the Sunshine Coast. This one came in from Jason, listening to today's show during work, doing a bank account 
reconciliation i actually do have an office job where i can listen to podcasts while i work and the aaron brockovich episode was amazing working my through way through the back episodes especially the check-ins they help amazingly knowing that there's someone out there like you who can talk about mental health makes the days easier I have recommended the podcast and your book to a friend who has started in with both. We check in with each other to see how we're traveling. Oh, Jason, that's bloody good news. And um, a massive thanks as well to anyone that rated or reviewed the show on iTunes. That does help us a lot. You can just rate, review the show and subscribe wherever you rate, review and subscribe to the show. iTunes is a, it seems to be the metric that a lot of people chase though. Um, this one came from Lise. After hitting the lowest point of a new self-discovery journey and feeling so lost and dark, a friend told me about your podcast. It's given me a new perspective on life. It's made me understand my anxiety and accept it rather than be so afraid of it all, embracing the highs and lows of life as they throw it towards us. I understand I'm not alone. No, we're all in this together. Lee, thanks for that. And uh, this one came in from uh, a Kiwi carpenter. Interesting and engaging conversations. How does Osha know so much about everything? Well, many interesting stories, including his own. I've learned so much. Thanks for educating, inspiring, and enlightening my evening dog walks. I'm so excited to be walking dogs with you. That's great. Yeah, I listen to podcasts when I walk dogs. Yeah. Silly, silly, silly dogs. They're so stupid. Anyway, it's not their fault. Uh, Thank you so much. I don't know so much about everything. I, I probably know just enough about a lot of stuff, just enough to get me in and start the other person who I'm talking with in on then finding out more. I think that's that's the key. You just know enough about, oh, yeah, because the second law of thermodynamics does say that, wouldn't you say? And then off they go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just have to know just enough to get another person talking and then that's all you, that's the secret. Uh, yeah, so thanks very much for that. That's in the iTunes uh, podcast review segment. Uh which is on your phone or on your laptop or wherever it is you choose to review. So thanks very much for that. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So let me tell you about my guest today. Bo Ryan is a former professional rugby league player. He has since transitioned into a successful career as a TV and radio presenter. He's currently hosting The Amazing Race Australia on Network 10. And he's notably been the star of Sunday Night Takeaway uh, this time last year and also The Footy Show, which ran for many, many, many years uh, on Channel 9 where he was a part of it. Bo's career and personal life has not been without controversy. 
and his commitment to have a long, hard look at himself and reapply his energy to an unflinching focus on family and hard work is nothing short of admirable. You can find Bo on Twitter and Instagram. You can let him know you heard him here. He's the real Bo Ryan, T-H-E-R-E-A-L-B-E-A-U-R-Y-A-N. Bo and I caught up at the Batuta Advocate Studios last week, uh, which was a cracker. Those guys are great. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bo Ryan. How are you, Bo? Good, thank you. We on? We're on. Yeah, I'm good, man. Good. Busy, but good. Yeah. I, I feel bad saying busy to you, but yes, I am busy. Well, busy's good. <laughs> busy is very good. I Idle used to be time. unemployed, man. I'll take busy. Mm. Hey, when was that? Right before Bachelor. Bachelor got me out of unemployment. Now, look at you. Mate, it's because I'm terrified of unemployment. Now they're stopping you at the airport and just pushing me out of the way to get a photo with you. <laughs> <laughs> Did he come over and chat? Because we were at the airport the other day. We were on the same flight down to Melbourne. And uh, a pap came up and he was ever so proud. He said, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm like, oh, wow. what? Did you just take long lens photos of me buying snacks? Yeah. Fucking scandal, motherfucker. Well, what's, he, what's, what's the go? I don't know. He was taking photos of me buying snacks. Wow. Lucky to get me. <laughs> <laughs> you were having a conversation on the yeah, phone yeah, with a suit yeah. bag. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, what do, you, what do you want? What do they want? I don't know, mate. But see, you're, you're, um, you're super relevant, man. So you, you're on air. Yeah, but we want to get that shot of you, you know, groping someone or getting groped. Eating a steak, drinking a beer, groping someone that's, that's not my right. wife. Yeah. That's like the ultimate pap. That's right. That's well, a man. Well, burning coal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a motor, with a, with a petrol car. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did ride here on my electric scooter. I saw that. <laughs> I awesome. saw that. It's awesome fun, that little thing. It's good. I like it, man. I've got, I got respect for that. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Where, uh, where in the world did you grow up by, Ryan? I grew up in a place called Albion Park, south of Wollongong, about oh, 25 minutes southwest. Oh, I know where that is. The like park. Albion Park Rail. Where the- yeah, near rail. They got the sec- that was the second busiest McDonald's in New South Wales for a while. Albion Park is – we got Bogantown 2007 to 2009. Who votes that? I don't know. Australia. Australia. What makes Albion Park most Bogan? Well, we were doing neck tats before anyone. Um, we, had that, we had that early – uh, in hand tats, you know when no one was getting a hand tat. Yeah, mullets the proper, were proper job stoppers. But they used to be proper job stoppers back then. And everyone has a tat. Like all my mates have got tats, and that I got no tats. But my mates have got tats that are blue now. You know, like those old ones. And my mates' dads and that. Yeah, that's that's probably it. Was there much pressure on you to get inked? No, nah, because my parents don't have tats, and my I, I've just never felt the urge. Really, yeah. I don't know why. They'd, they'd be all right. Like I'm probably. The only athlete, former athlete in Australia without a tat, but I'm happy with it. I've got a vision of in many years I'm walking down the beach in Speedos like when I'm 60 and blokes going, look at that bloke, he's got no tats. That's 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 my that's my end goal. It's, and there's a bloke with lip biscuit written on his yeah, neck. Yeah, 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 <laughs> on his face from <laughs> Albion Park. <laughs> Actually, I learned from – and it's interesting and I have to say it every time that the word does come up. I work with a bloke who's from Toronto. And the word bogan in his part of Canada is as bad as dropping the N-bomb what? in America. It refers to um, Native Americans. Really? Yeah. I can't as, see that. Like, you, well, they were like, when he first said, when I first came to Australia, I nearly flipped a table when someone used it. I'm like, that is wow. the most racist shit I've ever heard. Oh, wait till he gets to Albion Park. <laughs> <laughs> when, what's grown up in Albion Park like? I, I mean, I grew up oh. in the suburbs of Brisbane. What's yeah. it like? Nah, it's good, man. It was... Um Albion Park was always hotter than everywhere and colder than everywhere. Foot of the mountains, didn't get much breeze. 
but uh, good town, blue collar town. Well, you know, everyone's dad's worked in the steelworks. Uh-huh. Um, Mum's worked, you know, schools or hospitals, and steelworks shut down. A lot of people in the in the mines, working class area. I still go back there a lot. All my friends are down there. Uh, Were you there when the steelworks shut down? Well, it, they're actually pumping now. They didn't actually shut the steelworks down. They shut parts down. So they got the refinery and the wharves and all the different parts of it. So parts would be affected and, and my mate's dads would move around and it affected everyone, but it's back pumping now. I don't know how it works. I remember someone told me a story the other day. So Wind Stadium in Wollongong built the stadium and they got the steel. It was cheaper to get the steel to make some of the grandstand from China, ship it to Melbourne, and then drive it from Melbourne to Wollongong, and the actual steelworks fence lines the Wind Stadium, so it's actually next door. It's a part of Wind Stadium, and it was cheaper to get it from China and Melbourne. Work that one out. I, I, I'm not good with economics, Bo, but we I'm lost gonna, jobs. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to say that's probably got something to do with an economic downturn yeah, when yeah. you're competing with a global product. Yeah, uh, if you can't match a price, then you know, I just even the price, the match price, that doesn't do my head in. It's the transport that gets me head. Yeah. That does me head in there. Boggles my. Boggles oh, I can't my work mind. that out. But no. now we're back. They're back pumping. I've got mates in there now that a lot of my mates just walk around the steelworks and hide. They get paid pretty well. But a good area, man. Albion Park. My family are now in Warilla, which over near the water, a place I used to live in Winding. I tell everyone that's where they film RBT. <laughs> um, but I'm proud of it, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, all my friends and family are still down there. I go down there all the time. I live in Cronulla, which is obviously halfway from Sydney to there. And Yeah, I, I think it's super important about you know my upbringing. Did you ever not know rugby league in that part of the world? <laughs> no, nah, I, I knew. I used to support the Bulldogs when I was a kid. And just looking at photos, I always had a footy in my hand and sport. Man, sport just brings people together and I loved it. Like I I don't care if my son plays sport. I know we talk about our kids and I've got a little boy who's nearly two and a half and I don't care what he does. I went and watched a game at DLA the other day in Cronulla, a school game, like young kids playing, they represent a school in an area in Cronulla and just some of the parents yelling out and just saying shit to the kids and getting living through their seven-year-old kids. I don't think I want that man. I actually don't know. I'm at, if he wants to play footy, I'm in trouble because he's picking up a footy now and throwing it around. But if he wants to, he wants to. If he doesn't, I'm cool. Doesn't define him. It's not going to define him. But when you were that's, – that's a big thing, mm. mate, someone who is such a part of your identity in the public eye mm. to then go whatever the boy wants to do is what the boy wants to do. Always. Yet there are people like – some people in my life are like, no, no, he's a Geelong Cat supporter mm. and that's the end of that. I don't yeah. care if we live in Port Adelaide. Yeah. That's who he's supporting. Like, yeah, no, no. What if he fucking doesn't care? That's right. No, no. Wolfie's going to host season 26 of Masked Singer. <laughs> <laughs> he has no choice. Probably will, to be honest. <laughs> He'll still be going. <laughs> no, I, I, I love footy, man. It's given me so many, so many good things. The people around rugby league are the best in the world, I reckon. The culture's fantastic. We stick together. I mean, short memories, people have – they're brutal. But um, they're very forgiving. And footy is like, when I grew up in Wollongong and then I moved to out west, I always lived in an area where rugby league was just so central. Yeah. Cronulla now, everything's about footy. You know, moved to my wife's from Queensland, footy. Western Sydney, footy. Down south, footy. But now I've been out of that now with the, some of the stuff I'm doing, man, footy is not everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's given me everything, but... No one cares about footy in the world I'm in now. <laughs> you got to prove yourself again, and I like that. It's an interesting challenge that you put yourself to, which I'd love to, I'd love to get to. But I'm I'm interested to know at what point in your life did you realise that you were a little better than the other kids at, at playing nah, this game? I, I did. I, I played at my local school team, St Paul's, and I played the 13s and was always we we're in the B's, and I was always the most gifted player in my team. 
the V comp and um, played the 13s. And when you, we finished year six, went to year seven, we didn't have a school team anymore and I had to go to the local team. So I had a year off. And um, I played a couple of A games when I was the back end of 12, 13. It was hard because I wasn't used to it. I was the best player in my comp and that nah, was hard. It's too hard and it rocked me. So I had a year off. Everyone develops, you know, 13. So 14, I come back and I played local uh, in Wollongong, which was a 20-minute drive. The coach lives in my street, went in there, and we had a super hot team. We only had th- uh, 12 players. We had no reserves. <clears throat> played for West Illawarra and was in a good team with good guys and really enjoyed it and made a few rep teams through luck and some injuries, got in, and then I was never the best player, but I was always, I don't know, I was super determined. I, I love the system. I love getting in a system. What do you mean by that? Well, you get when you're younger, you get into a routine. Like you, you're naturally talented, and you can get picked up by teams. But people don't like the system. Getting to training early, doing extras, weights, diet, sleep, recovery. I love that, and I impressed a lot of the right people and worked hard and, and went the long way. And then went up to um, got to about 19, and all my mates started playing great. My really good mates were playing and got picked up to play. We won the comp for Dragons in 19s, and they all got taken on to full time. I didn't make it. It hurt me a lot. So I had a year there and was pretty good. Was a good player in my team, but not the best. And I, I wanted to give it a crack. A lot of them had played first grade and I knew I could make it. So I said to myself, told this story a few weeks ago. I've got mates in Albion Park that are still sitting in the corner of the pub I go to saying I could have done that. I was better than him. I was better than Bowie. I was better than Brett Stewart, all these guys. And they were, but they never played because of the system. They didn't like it. And I didn't want to be that guy. I knew if I gave it a crack, I'd, I'd be comfortable with that. And then I went up and played. Rest is history. It's funny, we're sitting here in the Batuta Advocate Studios. I think a week ago, there was a, they put one up of like blokes sitting in the corner of the, you know, local RSL, so looks, you know, looks up at the screen of grand final day, <laughs> still reveling in his third grade, yeah. third grade victories, like, oh, I always have 2006. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Or, or, and I go back there and I've got mates. One of my good mates is super talented guy, man, but he's playing third or fourth grade now and he's, he's just funny. But he was way better than me. A couple of my other mates, way better than I'll ever be, but. Didn't like the system, didn't like discipline, and I sort of loved that. And um, I just didn't want to be that guy, man. I, what didn't sit well with me? I just, I don't know, my, my family, you know, always worked me ass off, but I knew I could play. I just needed an opportunity. And then if, you know, it's like anything. It's like taking risks now, as we'll talk about whatever, but I don't want to be that guy, man. If there's an opportunity, I've been saying yes to everything and I've got to take a step back, but I'll have a go at it, man. I dare say that, you know, the, the pubs of Australia are full of guys like that. Yeah, everywhere. And, and bitter. And yeah. maybe they're the guys who are yelling at their kids on the sidelines. Well, I go back to, you know, we're really in Albion Park and I see my mates and some of them, man, like they're playing local league now and some of them are really gifted guys and they're all right. And some of them, like you said, I'm watching Cronulla play the other day in under sixes and they're kids screaming at – I was watching with Paul Gallen, who was one of the – who could be an immortal. The blokes played 20 seasons in the middle arguably one of the best forwards of all time and I'm standing next to him watching under sevens and sixes and people are just screaming at their kids or screaming at people and I don't know man there's more to life than that I'm just like Paul like Gallon's kid is a star and seriously good and he just like he doesn't say a word he doesn't say a word he's obviously he's a professional boxer as well which would come in handy if he did get if things escalated (laughs) but he is it's funny man a lot of people do live through their kids that ain't gonna be me yeah. No. Buddy of mine sent me a photo. It's a common thing, actually. You see it in soccer games, uh, kids' soccer games. It was an A-frame, like a like you put out the front of an open house on a weekend and the ref had put it there or yeah, someone yeah, had put yeah. it there. And it said, this is not the World Cup. 
Your son is not messy. Yeah. He's eight. <clears throat> you stay behind this line and enjoy the nice day. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it was. Beautiful. I mean, there's a stage where parents can help. Like I'll kick the ball with my daughter. She's playing on stag now and pass it. And they got, she played the other day and everyone comes down to watch to see how your daughter goes or your son. They got beat 10-1. Doesn't change my life as long as she's happy, but – it gets to a point where you need to help them out. And yeah. I go down to the school where my son is and there's, there's two to five-year-olds to daycare and I help them show them how to pass. And that, that's cool. But when you're out there getting kids to tackle and it's pissing down rain or yelling at them and that, not yet. <laughs> not yet. You mentioned that you, you worked hard and you, you kept saying there's plenty of other guys that were more talented than you. Always. But was it because you were prepared to work harder? Always, man. And um, sort of what I do now, like – I mean, I've taken a long road in everything, man, whether it's radio or TV, and it's so much more rewarding, eh? I've been underestimated a lot in my footy career, and then I've proven myself um, in certain aspects of life. But in radio and TV, I've still got a way to go, but I, I like that. I, I like – I'm really enjoying what I do, and I like people not knowing me. I like people knowing nothing about me and whether I'm doing a new show or new experience and just – Give me an opportunity and then judge me after that. And I, I really like that. It's refreshing and it's it's harder, but it's very rewarding. And I think true talent rises to the top when you when you get in those situations. And I don't know, I've worked hard at Channel 10 since I've been there and I worked seriously hard at nine and there's still a long way to go for me. And I look at people like you and other people now, like playing for sport, you don't put yourself out there. So when I did, I felt like I'd done it all. But then when I go and see guys like you or – even Amanda Keller yesterday or Grant Daniel guys, like it's another level. But, man, I've got no doubts that if I, you know, keep persisting and stick to it, I can handle it. And that's a goal. Daniel's the hardest working guy Bro, Daniel, there is. He's think amazing. about Daniel, man. Like I haven't worked much with you. I, I don't think I've worked with you, but like Amanda Keller's, she's serious, man. Um, Jackie, bro, bro, Jackie, man, Jackie, oh, bro, I don't care what anyone says. That, that woman is the, probably the most talented woman in Australia. She makes me feel, when I work with her, less is more. And she makes me feel so comfortable. And you, you, like your job was amazing on the show, but she was like, bro, she is serious, man. And yeah. I, I've learned so much working with her. I like working with her. But Grant Daniel, man, like the auto cue was going faster than you can actually spin it. And the bloke's not even reading it and he's just nailing it. Like the guy's a genius. Yeah. It's he, just a shame he's four foot two. He's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a very hardworking guy. And it's come up on this show again and again and again and again that the talent can get you in the door. Hmm but the talent won't sustain you. Nah. Talent, and, and the thing about TV now, it is brutal. Like I've been doing it for about a bit over 10, 11 years, 12 years. But when I started, man, we, our show would rate for no reason. We just, you know, it's all fun. Coming off the back of footy games and that and stepping away from footy, I obviously had to prove myself and I've never cared about ratings or being worried. And I spoke to you the other day on the plane, man, I was shitting myself the other day after F1 because I, I felt – Really, really, really proud of the show. I worked so hard for six weeks away, then come back and I've just been working my ass off as the only host trying to promote the show in press. And it meant a lot to me. So I don't know, to get some rewards the other night when the numbers were good, I was super happy, but you want more. Like, yeah. it's never enough. It's like you, man, you guys are doing what, two million people, my Singer, you want more. But like I said to you the other day, if there's one thing that I, it's nice that Mars Singer hit, all right, yeah. but. So I think the big night we got, we got 1.8 or 1.6 yeah. on a Monday. We that's, haven't got 1.6 or 1.8 on a Monday. Numbers. That's like idle numbers. Bro, that's state of origin like, it's numbers, humong- bro. Come right? on, it's not even with catch-up. I know, So man. this is a fucking massive number, right? But the other night I think Bachelorette got 6.6, six, okay, so, which is, what, half of that number Still or serious. a third of the big number. Still serious. So like I said to you the other day, it's not like we worked 
are half as hard on the one that got the smaller number. You work as hard as you possibly can on absolutely everything that you show up for, all right? And at some point, you've got to make it into a little paper boat and push it out into the sea and go, it's no longer mine. I did everything that I possibly could do. And now if it's right, the audience will be there. If it's not right, then I did the best job I could and I had a great time making it. That's it. 100%. And I've probably hidden in a team, like hidden in a team sport. Um, at KISS, you know, part of that drug, juggernaut, man, Kyle and Jack can do whatever they want and it's still going to be number one. Footy show when it was in its prime was pumping. Then I come over to town and, you know, did the first night, Sunday night takeaway, and that's when it hit me because, man, we were doing – man, I was doing big hours and long days. I'm not a big rehearsal guy. I prefer just live, let's do it. We're doing every weekend for 10 weeks, full shows, plus I was doing radio all the week, plus I was filming during the week, and it was big, then doing press, and I was working my ass off and the numbers were not great, and that rocked me because I didn't understand that, what you just said. I didn't know that. I'm like, the more effort you put in, the more you get out. It doesn't work like that in TV anymore. So – Although the show was grueling and brutal, I still – there's a party that thinks it's going to do 200,000 or – then there's another part that you might think you might break a record. I, I, I didn't know, but I just didn't leave any stone unturned. I did all the press, every interview, every every market, every radio station, you know, everything we could to make sure it did, and it's rewarding when it happens. My old manager in LA used to say, only you know how hard you work to make your dreams come true. Mm -hmm. And if you left it, like to use a footy analogy, if you left everything out on the field, yeah. then you should, you could only do what your body's got in it. Yeah. And if that's it, then that's it. And, and that's, that's okay. That, that's it. And that's the way I, I leave, man. I probably took it for granted maybe four or five years ago and just thought everything was just, you know, blessed. But, mate, I, I work seriously hard now and I've made a lot of sacrifices to be where I am and... I'm not, I don't want to stop. Like, it's not going to slow down for me. No. Uh, I just got to be smart with – got good people around me and everything's good, man. Everything's feeling good. It just feels right. I just, I just want this show to do so well because it means a lot to me. Well, mate, you, I've got to say, when I watched you on Takeaway, man, you lit up the screen, man. Because well, that's your thing, man, yeah. doing that live stuff. That's I like your live, thing. Man. I, I like live. and oh, I love it too, man. It's good, bro. You can't – like, I don't care what anyone says, man. You can – I did a movie and, you know, radio and done acting and scenes and all that. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. But, mate, live TV, bro, I don't care what anyone says. That'll sort the men out from the boys. It's the best. Or the women from the girls, you know. It's, 20, the, it's the best. It's just hard, man. It's, it's good, but I like it. I like performing. The good thing about the race – is you'll know this it feels live because the yeah. pit stops is only one take yeah. so i like that yeah. i relish in that I, I really i really come into my own the pieces the camera and that yeah okay i'm working on another stuff but the live stuff man that's where i like it because you can't do that twice you can't that's the thing about coming into reality for me from a live background and all of it i don't bachelor was the first show i did that wasn't live yeah I got why they got me. It's like you can't get someone's authentic emotional response twice. No. You can only get it once and you can't fuck it up. You and can't. You, and you know what it's like now? You're trying to voice it and it ain't working. I said, what are you seeing on screen now? That's the best we're going to get. I ain't voicing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try it. It sounds shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What was it like? I mean, I never really watched footy show because it, it was on at times of day when of I was around. And, yeah, of course. Um, to be honest, mate, it wasn't really my thing. It's all good. I um, Had nothing to do with footy, bro, but that's all right. Well, that's – Yeah. <laughs> I think it was more the – it just spoke a different language to me. That's right. And from what I grew up with. And that's right. There were some criticisms of that show and, you know, that it might have been caught in a bit of a time warp in places, particularly mm. the way that it – addressed women and, and mm. spoke about women. What was it like in the in the vortex of that thing? Because a lot of people don't realise, like when well, they whenever a criticism about footy show come up, people would, you know, throw it on the hosts or whatever. I'm like, yeah. 
I know how TV works. Yeah. That's gone through a field producer, yeah. two edit suites, <laughs> yeah. two executive yeah. producers, and a network yeah. exec. So seven people yeah. have said yes to this before it is aired. Yeah. So you can't say it's the host. Oh man, I, I man, I look. I've been in. I was at nine for a long time, and I, I've been in trouble for stuff that's gone through edit suites, stuff that I've done live. And I still stand by some of that stuff because it was at the end of the day we got a lot of ticks for it, and a lot of people said yes. But I sort of missed. To answer your question, I, I mean, the footy show from 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I missed that. I sort of come in where when the EPs and the bosses I worked with, they introduced Aaron softly, softly, and then they brought her in as a host. And I, I was really proud of that because, you know, my sister means a lot to me, my wife and my, my little girl. I had a little girl. I didn't have any other kids. I had my little girl. So I'm, I'm surrounded by women, my mum, everyone, you know, all my daughter's friends. It's just girls, girls, girls. So I know how much they love sport and love league. So that meant a lot to me. So I sort of, to answer your question, I missed the, that little the period where it probably was copying a heap of criticism. But when I started, there was no social in that. And then about maybe six, seven years ago when Instagram and or, or Facebook and that ramped up, that was hard because everyone wanted to be offended. And I offend everyone. <laughs> you know that. But I did an interview the other day, actually. I told this story the other day. I didn't tell the whole thing, but I was doing an interview for another podcast. And this woman said, you know, the, the diversity on your show, The Amazing Race Australia, this and that and this and that. And I sort of, I tuned out a bit because it was a, like a rant and I wasn't prepared for it. And I said, I took the show on because culture means a lot to me. My family's from Western Sydney. All my mates are there and all my mates are Lebos. She goes, Lebos, that's offensive. I said, are you offended? She goes, no. I said, I'm not offended. Who's offended? She goes, well, someone will be. I said, someone is offended by everything. All my mates are Lebos and I stand by that. And she goes, are you Lebanese? I said, yes, I'm not. <laughs> so then she backpedaled. But that's the world we live in now. Yeah. Western Sydney are my people. All my mates are in Western Sydney. All my friends are there. I played in Western Sydney. I know what to do. I know what, I know what happens out there. I love it out there. So when you start worrying about trying to offend someone, and I'm not going to lie, there was probably two years of solid, maybe two and a half years where I was really worried about offending, and it affected my performance. And I look back and go, what was I doing there? Because I was worried about everything. But our show was on late. The time slot was 9.30. We went to 8.30, which was more comfortable. But 9.30, bro, you can say stuff at 9.30, like, have you been paying that You can't stay at 7.30. And that suited me. And I probably looked at it too much. And with Aaron Mullen, a good friend of mine, we probably looked at it because we were the new wave. It was social media was big and we probably overreacted. I probably should have just stayed true to myself and, and true to the people who loved the show and just was being myself. I probably was too PC. You think I, – I do get what you're saying. People tend to just kind of wait for that green light. It's well, like they're sitting there with the engine revving, yeah, waiting. Well, well, they'll watch you and, and whether it's Bachelor or Love Island or, or Amazing Race and they'll watch you walk in yeah. and they'll judge you straight away and they'll say, how, how can something he be wearing offend me? How does he look? How does he sound? What's yeah. his background? Something offends me. Now, if nothing offends you, then you say, well, what is he saying? Yeah. And someone on a show somewhere is going to offend someone. And like our show the other night, mate, we've got a wholesome show. No one's getting glassed. No one's having sex yet. No one's doing anything wrong. But then you see the influencers. Everyone hates the influencers. They steal a dumpling off the nuns. Mate, the internet nearly exploded. But if that's the worst thing that's going to happen on TV, give me a break. Like, they're trying to win 250 grand cash. The nuns are already gone. Play on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I like, do. welcome to the jungle. Let's yeah. let's just have some fun here. We, we're, not, we're not – people are watching our show, wholesome people. My daughter's watching it. It's yeah. a family-friendly show. Put your seatbelt back on and just enjoy it. I, th I think we could, as a culture, we could be more resilient around yeah. – like the idea of I'm – 
being offended on behalf of someone yeah. else. Nah, I can't wear that. It, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm a part of a community. I'm a part of a very multicultural city in this city of Sydney. It's extraordinarily multicultural. There's people from hundreds and hundreds, you know, like hundreds of nations and languages and whatever spoken here. And it's important to be aware of, okay, well, we need to be respectful that, that their culture is as important as mine, their presence is as important as mine, and, and to be respectful of all that. And there is still room to have some fun with all of that, mm. all right? But to get offended, like before when I said the word bogan, I'm not offended on behalf of the Native Americans I'm not of offended. Northern Cal- of Canada, but I'm just saying, did you know that that word is something to be mindful of? Yeah, like, yeah. in parts of Canada, don't be dropping that word. But, but that's it. If I didn't know that, I won't say it again. You know what I mean? In over Canada, there. Yeah. But over here, bro, I've got Bogan on Albion Park. Albion, it says Albion Park and underneath it's got Bogan spray paint. I think they've cleaned it now. There's two <laughs> so There's two ways in, two ways out. But that's part of my upbringing. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, like the, the idea of having, we're going to have to cleanse and sanitise everything just in case someone somewhere might accidentally see it and upset them. We can, I think, as people, as a community, it would benefit us to be a little more more resilient. 100%. Not saying that it's okay to just shout out, out, oh. out like shout Mate, racist things oh, at people. Discrimination, That's, yeah, okay, sexism, oh. or any of that. No, That's not, not happening. Okay. Yeah, but not we happening. can be resilient and go, all right, this person, they may have a you know different way of saying things, but it doesn't mean anything about me. And if they want to be like that, then that's fine with them. I'll tell you a funny story. I did the show the other night and everyone was messaging me saying, great show, great show. I'm on the plane coming back. I was with you early in the day coming back. Everyone's saying, oh, wow, the internet's blowing up because I keep hugging everyone at the mat. Right? I'm hugging everyone. The teams are getting through. Why are you hugging everyone? I wake up in the news.com article, Ryan hugs people too much. Get a call off um, a radio station. Out there. Why did you hug people too much? I said, let me explain something. I said, I'm over there in Africa and Asia for five weeks. I was told by Channel 10 and then Eureka and the powers that be that I need to be myself. Now, if I'm standing in the desert and I see people coming over the hill that a Muslim mother and daughter, Roa and Amani, who have been to hell and back in their personal life, who are representing more than just themselves, they're representing their culture, their belief, their religion. Viv and Joey, they're representing uh, Melbourne. They're representing their people. They're representing their culture. We've got the influencers who are representing nearly everyone. I see people like Femi and Nick who have been to hell and back as well and they are speaking on behalf of not only Western Sydney but the African people out there, that if they're going to come over and get through not only that, to get to the mat and there's five teams left, I'm going to give you a hug and I'm going to stand by that and I'm going to keep doing it because it's how I feel. And then other people are arguing, well, hang on, Phil doesn't do that. Phil, the American host. I said, well, we couldn't afford Phil. So, <laughs> so I'm going to keep doing it. And I'll tell you what, Phil's boring. He wouldn't work on Australian TV. The bloke's a juggernaut and he's a genius, but he would not work on our TVs because what he's doing will not work. Uh, and, and I think that does also harken back to I would be uncomfortable hugging a stranger. Mm. So therefore... I don't want you to hug a stranger. Yeah. Therefore, I don't want to see you hugging people on my television. Oh, 100%. I want to hug you now because you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Just to comfort you and tell you it's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm a hugger, man. I'm an emotional person. But while you're talking about the, the casting, a man who's been, like super instrumental in my career gave me Idol, gave me Bachelor, gave me Mars Singer, a bloke by the name of Stephen Tate, oh, cast guy. all the Big Brother houses. The guy's a, just a genius mm. of casting. I remember when he was telling me about casting Amazing Race. He's like, you wait till mm. you see what I've got. He said, yeah. I picked up the phone and I said, get me nuns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got nuns, we've got a, a Muslim mother and daughter, we've got these two unit African dudes who are both nurses, nurses both yeah. registered nurses. Yeah. The With Viet- no general knowledge. Yeah, uh, keep going. Amazing. <laughs> the Vietnamese brother and sister. Uh, the gay newlyweds, right? How awesome are they? I love those guys. Tim and Rod. Because they're like, I love you, mate. 
You're bloody, yeah, bloody hell, you look yeah. so good today, mate. And do you, you know, know what? They're, 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 they're hand in hand. I'm not going to say how far they went, but they're hand in hand the whole way. I said, we're going to have a lot of fun here, but you guys are representing, I've got gay friends, gay family. You know what TV's like, radio, everyone around yeah. me is gay. And they mean a lot to me. And to see what they've got through, their, their backstory is, I think it was Tim. It might have been right. I think it was Tim. Their parents weren't accepting of what happened. And just to get on the show, I mean, yeah. we had 10,000 people apply. Next year, we have 50,000 people. Yeah. Just to get on the show was a win. So to see them get to the mat as much as they did meant a lot to me. I remember when they used to get there, we used to just nod. And I used to just give them a nod with my mouth closed, and it just meant a lot. Yeah. And those guys are representing more than themselves, and they know that. They've got the gay community behind them. They've got me behind them. They love each other. I know they're in the honeymoon period. You know, you know what it's like. They're, they're still. They're I just, still, I just love the way they are. And I was saying to Audrey last night, isn't it just extraordinary to see two like that we're in such a culture of ex- of, of wonderful acceptance around the the spectrum of sexuality in mm. humans that here's these two guys and they one of them wasn't being overly like weren't being overly mincing mm. they were just like speaking as I am to you right now and saying I love you mate so there was no oh sweetie I love you there was none of that none mm. of that it was just yeah. like no need to telegraph you know it's just like I'm just comfortable in who I am as a man yeah. and I love that man and that's it. Just mate, I was just high fiving my wife on the couch last bro. night as a mask cream. It was awesome. It was, bro, it's the best, man. I'm so <laughs> proud of it. And you know what? I'm, when the casting, the guys at Eureka, the people at Eureka, there's you know Soph and Joe and all those guys. They're the, the job they did. And I looked at it. And this I, is the production I, company. The production people, company. People listening. Yeah. And the people at Channel Ten and Steve Tate and all the other powers that be, they put it together. It was a list of about 20, and I honestly said, I think we need a few more Middle Easterns from Western Sydney because they are good content, and I know what my friends are like and family. And they said, no, we've got these guys, these guys, these guys. I said, okay, and I, I put faith in them, and it could not have been cast better. I mean, it, we lost people early. Yeah, okay, they, it would have been great to have the nuns and the Greek siblings from Adelaide still in, but it's a genuine race where – Everyone in Australia is represented. Most people in the world are represented. Yeah. And everyone's got a team and I'm super proud of it, man. Yeah. You're away from like, – I had my first night away from Wolfgang the other night. I was in Mildura and I had my first night away from him since he was born and it was shit house being away, not being able to be there to help Audrey. Mm. You were away for six weeks. Was that the longest you'd been away from your kids? Longest I've been away from my kids was two weeks. My wife and I went to America last year. They come over. Uh, they were here. We went to America and South America about fourteen, uh, thirteen, or twelve or thirteen days. Right. That was psycho. But my wife was with me. Longest I've been away is about five days from all of them. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard because I pride myself in being very. Um, I'm very present and hands on. I'm a hands on dad, and you know I love my kids and my wife and. I'm pro- I like to provide, man. Oh, that's my role. I've, I've, I've learned that from, from a young age. I, I feel like I've got to provide for them. And being away, like, yeah, okay, you can, you know, you can send money back, all that. That's, yeah, but it, it ain't the same. And the first two weeks it was eating me. I'm not going to lie to you, man. The first two weeks was the hardest. We are in Korea. It was hotel life. We were doing a lot of shooting. It just was up and down, man, and, and I struggled. But there's something about, as you know, there's something about being away. It's a bit of a siege mentality. Everyone looks, everyone's hurting. So as the race went on, I remember talking to Jasmine and Jerome. They've got a little boy, two-year-old boy, same age as my son, and they've got they haven't contacted him for for three, four weeks. You know, I don't want to say how far they went, but they they couldn't ring him. And I was still FaceTiming every day. FaceTime saved my life, but it was hard, man. And and before I get you'd be the same. Before I get a show or an opportunity, I sit down with my wife and I said, "How's this going to be for my marriage? How's this going to be for our family?" And we make the decision based on that. I've said no to some big shows. I'm not going to lie to you. I've said no to some serious shows. 
And I've done shows that have probably, you know, in the past or done things that have probably hurt my marriage. So now to accept things as a whole, it's like they're with me together when I'm over there. And it's funny, man, like my daughter and I got a bond I can't describe. And just the way she looked at me when I got to the airport, because they surprised me and, bro, I just, like, it makes it all worthwhile, but, like, you can't be doing that all the time. (laughs) You're going to struggle, man. The first couple of weeks are psycho because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But are you in the same place? Yeah. That might make it easier. I don't know. But it's hard. Yeah. And I think about FIFO guys that fly in, fly out. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, he won't know that I'm gone. Yeah, but you, you know, will. He's so little. It's yeah. more just that I can't be there. You can't provide. That's for that's Audrey. Mean. I mean, at some points at you know at three, four in the morning when she's feeding and she's so blitzed, yeah. he'll be in the crib next to us, and he's like full like Iron Maiden live at Donington Castle. Yeah. Like, yeah. As loud as he can go, she's asleep. She cannot yeah. hear it. Wow. And I'll, you know, I'll be getting up and changing him and whatever and then trying to wake her up. Yeah. But then I won't be there to do that. So yeah. And yeah. It, it, takes, it takes a part of you, man. It does. It takes a party away. And Yeah. I mean, you're lucky because he's little, little, but it's I all part about, of it. The sacrifice, man. That's the, this is what I'm saying. The sacrifice. People don't see the sacrifice. They don't know. They think, like the race that I did, they think it's just a trip around the world. Man, it was psycho. It was brutal. It's funny as well because people think about this about Bachelor in Paradise. They go, they go, oh, they've got a free holiday oh, to Fiji. No, no, no. It's not a holiday. It's a job. Yeah. And it's like think of the eight hours that you're at work. You may even love your job, but they're the eight hours that you are not with people you like to be with, mm. that, that you like to maybe do things on the weekends with and not mm. doing things you would rather be doing, but you're mm. getting paid for it. It's nice that it's a nice job and it's a fun job. We work with great people. But after a while, yeah, it's a job and there are things that I would – like to do with my family, yeah. just like there's like things that you would like to do with your family. And yeah. sometimes when it's like for five weeks in a row or, or six weeks in a row, I remember those idle tours would be away for six straight weeks. Yeah. And it was just, man, it was like being on tour. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> hotel rooms, man. I just, nah. Yeah. I, Mate, it's I, all right. No kids and that. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Oh, back yeah. then I'm it was, all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back then I just, I was. Yeah. I, I just basically sticky tape the do not disturb sign under my door and, yeah. just, and just drink the moment yeah. I walked in the door. How were you alive? <laughs> well, it's because I stopped drinking. Yeah, yeah. Because I was very, I was very lucky yeah. in that I used to anesthetize it all with alcohol, yeah. and I, I got out of that, yeah, which I was there. very fucking lucky to do. Yeah, it was, been there. It was uh, yeah, it was getting grim quickly. Yeah, but yeah, but as a result, it means that I. I was just talking about this yesterday with Yumi, actually. It's after, I, after I stopped drinking, there was a time where I couldn't do jobs like that. Mm. I had to be – even now, I'll check into my hotel room. Even now, as I'm getting the key, I say, can you please send up someone up to the room to take the minibar out? And I'm not going to drink it, but it's nice to not constantly have to make the decision to yeah. be looking at it all the time going, okay, there's yeah. a tiny little bottle of vodka that I won't touch yeah. for three days. Yeah. You know, I'll just take it away, Yeah, and, which is nice now. Of so that, that's just a trick that I use to get through those – those times but yeah. otherwise it just gets too it's too much what but, do you do send it to Lindsay's room <laughs> I don't know what she said something she had after parties at her, don't, at go her there, room. don't go there don't go no, there no she did she had after parties at her room and you know he'd be like mate we're going to Lindsay's for going to drinks at Lindsay's house and I'm like nah I'm, no, no, I'm going to go home and go to my bed she's great mm. You know, she's, she's, she's yeah, a star, man. Hard worker. Star. Like she worked really hard. Star. I get the kind of feeling that she is someone who, if you want to keep telling that story about me that gets people to click on your website, you go right ahead. I'll be over here getting the jobs that I get hired for because people like you write those stories yeah. and I'll be over here, you know, mm. doing some hard work. Yeah. Mate, it's um, 
the other side of the coin, I think, yeah, I don't know, people like her, man, she's been, I think the providing thing as well, you know, she's probably looking after so many other people in her life that she's probably treating herself off. I don't know, I don't know her, but I meet people from all walks of life, man, some seriously influential people and heavy people and I find the happiest people are the ones that aren't near the bottle. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it, you know, that growing up, I don't know, I'm, I'm about 10 years older than you, but growing up I had literally, I had every Brisbane Bronco and every member of the Queensland Sheffield Shield team on every second ad break with a beer yeah. in their hand yeah. going, yeah. how fucking awesome's yeah. beer. Uh, uh, well, uh, I'll never forget that Wally Lewis Powers Bitter ad as yeah. long as I live. Like so all I good. wanted to do was drink Powers Bitter. I'm 15 years old. Alfie and, Langer. And all, a couple of chops for the girls, a few chops for the girls. They're burnt. Yeah. I can even recite the ad. Yeah. They're burnt and they're raw. They have like all these men having a barbecue, drinking yeah. beer. and there's Yeah, the boys. Yeah. And there's um, Wally Lewis going, sorry, Bondi. You know, like <laughs> – so all he wanted to do was drink powers because Brisbane Broncos drank powers. 100%. You know, but nothing that happened in the ad happened to me when I drank. <laughs> and I want to know what happened when, you know, when they went home. Like that was the real story. And I don't know, man, it's just life's hard, man. And the positions that I'm in and you're in and, and people, I don't know, especially in the industry, like I keep saying it, man, you've got to sacrifice a hell of a lot. And whether that's not drinking or time away from your family or you know, missing, man, I miss so many weddings and births and friends and, man, I missed all that. But that's what it's all about for me, man. I'm not going to miss anything with my immediate family, but, like, I've missed mates, everything. I missed, my, my wife didn't go with a wedding to a wedding with me forever, playing footy and then working on weekends and then doing, right. like, I'm never available, but now I'm, the jobs that we take and the jobs that I do, I mean, I'll work hard whilst it's happening and I'll be, I'll work my ass off, but there are times when, when it's, we get to just enjoy it. And that's, I'm looking forward to that at the end of the year. Did you guys, that strategy you have around checking in on jobs, did that, is that something that you both sat down and decided we're going to have to do this going forward? Or did you, did probably, you go, did you go see someone? Did you? Good question. Um, no, nah, probably just the evolution of me. I'd say like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I mean, I've changed heaps in even the last probably three years. Personal was five years. My actions weren't reflecting my values. And um, I was, projecting this image of who I wanted like wanted people to believe I was but I wasn't that person and that was hard um my wife saw that and um we had good times we got good times where we had bad times and she's been there she's a constant and I mean I owe it to my family and everyone like a lot I wouldn't have got all the opportunities without them because they've kept me stable I'm quite like I'm high energy guy man I'm too, like I'm not I'm obviously not bouncing around now but I'm super hot I don't know what's going on with the aircon but I'm a guy that, like, I like to be in people's faces, my wife's face. I'm very energetic. I'm uh, quite needy. She hates it when I say that, but I am. And she's been – she sacrificed a lot for our family. So the least I could do is sit down with her and there was a job recently where we sat down and uh, I can't say what it is, but she's like, what do you think? And I just knew straight away. And she said, no, nah, it's not – this isn't you and this isn't us. So we said no, but three years ago – I would have convinced her to take the job and we would have got a good paycheck and everything would have been good, but it would have put a din in her and I would have resented her because if she said no and those days are long gone and I'm happy to be then be here now, but I, I wasn't there many years ago, a few I'd, years ago actually. I'd say that that line you just used, there's probably a fair few people who can relate to that when your actions don't reflect nah. your values. Yeah, that's hard to accept, man, and 
I've got friends that have come and gone and I've got really good people around me, man. And I'm just – everyone who knows me, like, I'm, I'm quite selfish in terms of who I hang around now because I work. Well, I'm on call for radio 24-7. I'm doing TV. I've got other stuff going. I work with, you know, I've got my job at Stan and 10 and I'm just working myself all the time. But I like that because idle me is dangerous me. And if I'm working so much, someone has to take being the passenger seat. My wife's done that. And I didn't really appreciate it, to be honest. I just took it for granted for a while. But now I appreciate it. And my mum and dad helped out a lot, my sister. But we've got really good people around us now. And just, I don't know how far I've come. Like, I see mates that I hadn't seen for five years. We're doing this, we're doing that. I said, bro, that ain't me. He's like, come on, man. But that's where I am now. Like, I'm focused and I needed things to happen in my life. And my wife made sacrifices. I made sacrifices. But it's all going to be worth it. I think there is a definitely a time where in your life you're, you you had kids quite a bit younger than me, mm. but there, there's definitely a time, certainly when kids come along, where you're like, that party may be amazing. Mm. And sure, there may be a great photo of you having an arm wrestling match with Dwayne Johnson on the roof of a casino and yeah. fucking awesome, mm. but I'm going home to read a book to a little kid and yeah. that is going to be better than hanging out. Oh, bro, <laughs> it's going to be better than all that. I'm with you so much, man. Like I'm, I'm super selfish when it comes to time at the moment. So I'll finish work on a Friday. I've been trying to make weekends free and, man, if you need me, my mates, they know. They come and bring their kids to my mind. If you if you don't want to hang out with kids, we can't be friends. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of mates that don't have kids that will come over and they're very giving with their time, but I'm super selfish like that. Like, But I need to be because we designed our house and our, our lifestyle around having people over. I like to provide for people. I like to put barbecues on. I like to, you know, you come over and it's no drama, man. I'm, I got you. It's all good. Yeah. But we're going to be in the pool. We're going to be eating good. We're going to be having fun. We're going to be kicking the ball. We're going to be watching the, you know, whatever, the dance. We're going to be carrying on. But it's all over at about 8 o'clock. <laughs> and I need you out. <laughs> so my wife might be 10 vodkas deep with a few of her girlfriends and I'll go out the back. But it's on again tomorrow for me and that's the way I like it. That's that's a good boundary to have, man. Yeah. That it took me a while to get there, man. It's not like wake up and do it. It took me a good four or five years to learn that. But that's where I'm at, man. I like proximity. I like having close friends and close yeah. family, and but it's on my terms, and I, I need that at the moment. Was there a, was there a moment where you went, uh, something's going to have to shift here? Well, I've obviously had drama in my personal life, but I reckon probably three years ago when we moved to Cronulla, my, a few of my friends' ship circles changed, and I had a few other friends that were just – they weren't great for me. They weren't bad people, but me and them were not good. So they're gone, and I've got other friends and – I've got a good community, man. I'm big on community and I'm big on support and people helping people and where we are now, if like physically where we live and where we are emotionally, my wife and I, we're super happy. Like we got, you know, we, we got Halloween and we have a big Halloween party. Like I look at Halloween like Christmas and stuff like that. Like, man, five years ago, you said, oh, what are you doing? Like, man, I've been planning Halloween for two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas five years ago, I'm planning what we're doing Friday night and how we're going to get home the next day. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't happening anymore, man. I'm proud of that. When I got sober, I, I remember like in the first two weeks, I remember someone saying to me, I said, listen, if you put half as much playing and effort into this as you did planning your 
drinking binges. Like, okay, so if I get the plane at one, the bar will be open at the <laughs> yeah. airport and I don't have a meeting till tomorrow morning. Yeah. So I'll deliver, I'll fly the night before so I can go straight to the hotel bar yeah. and then line up something at Club 161 in Melbourne and then da 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 and then I'll get to bed by 10.30. I'll have this in the morning so I can get up and do the thing and then I'll be back at the airport by one to start drinking again. Ripper. When, you know, all I had to do was like fly in and fly out mm. and instead it becomes a three-day, you know, drinking adventure. Tell me about it. So all I had to do was like put half as much effort into planning my drinking bitches as I did into my sobriety and I'd be fine and you know what they were right yeah <laughs> but you know what man it's a journey and I'm all about the journey like destination's great like there's different people it's all about destination man I'm all about the journey yeah I learned more on the journey and I've learned heaps on the journey and I've changed a lot of things and I've still got a long way to go don't get me wrong like I feel physically in a the best I've felt since I retired from footy and I'm clear and I feel good and I need to be for what I'm doing because you know, I like to support my family and my, some of my friends I support and I like to do that and I'm proud of that but I can't be doing that and I can't be selfish and have my cake and eating it too. I, it's, that's that's not what I want. It's not, like I said before, I want to reflect values that, you know, I, I want my, my daughter and my son to be really proud of me and, and that means a lot to me and it's it's hard, man. Sometimes I get rattled about things that I've either, either done or said and but I'm learning to accept it. There's no better feeling, man. Like when you come home and you've got your kids there and, I don't know, it's just, it's super humbling. Like, my, my daughter, man, and I are just, you got a little girl. I can't explain the bond we got. Like, I still lay in her bed with her at night or she'll come in and I end up with her. And it's just moments like that. I walked her to school the other, yesterday and we got to school and holding hands with her the whole way and her backpack was a bit heavy. So I said, I'll, I'll carry your bag, darling. She goes, yeah, okay. We get to school and she goes, give me my backpack because the bell went off and she just ran off. So I'm losing her now. She's nearly seven and I know I ain't going to get kisses any longer. So I'm making sure that if I'm not doing radio, I'm walking her to school because I know those days are gone, which is the reason why I want to have another daughter, but my wife on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to use your vagina, I'm sure she wouldn't <laughs> yeah. mind. It's, I mean, I'm all about the practicing too. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm into that. <laughs> it's, more the, it's more the devastation to you know, the trauma. To, to ask yeah, a woman yeah. to do that to her body again. Know. It's a, know. You know, we are just talking about this yesterday with Charlie. Um, but you're absolutely right, man. Like that time when they're little, I met Georgia when she was 10 and there was this beautiful period of about only six weeks when she trusted me enough to lie in bed at night and read her stories with mum. Oh, so for about six weeks, I lay there. We shared a double bed and all oh, three man. of us lay in there and we took turns reading pages and it was the greatest. And then one night, dude, one night she goes, oh, I said, are we on a story tonight? No, I don't want a story tonight. Mm. But that was it. We never read to her again. Yeah. You don't know the day it's going to happen. And then that, that's it. I don't know, man. I, I get emotional thinking about it. Like I, I don't know. Like I stole yesterday a unicorn from Channel 10, a masked singer, won a big life-size one and brought it home for her. And just I'm finding it hard to give her everything like not give her everything and because I you know didn't come from heaps and you know didn't have a lot growing up and just being in a position now where I can get her whatever she wants it's just hard I'm yeah. finding that fine line between you know what it's like making her proud and not raising a little brat and I'm really struggling with that if I'm mm. going to be honest with her like we keep secrets from her mum and I get her stuff that her mum doesn't know about that just turns <laughs> up that she says they're her friends and that's going to keep happening because you know what dads are like and <laughs> I've just got to find that balance, man, and I'm, I'm really struggling with it if I'm going to be honest. I did want to just quickly just circle back. You did mention something and I, I'm sure you know people might be interested to know how the kind of conversation goes because it is an important part of self-care and it's certainly something that I've done and certainly when it came time for me to stop drinking to realise that there were people, if I went out with this person, then certain things would happen 100%. whether I liked them or not. That were going to happen. 
what would you say to people? Like, what are those conversations like? Does they just, how do you work to extract yourself from those circles of friendship? And, and what do you do about the, oh, I'm missing out, I'm missing out feeling? Yeah, it's not the missing out feeling. It's the, you know, one of my other mates, we don't talk and it hurts me, man. We speak a little bit, but we grew up, man, together and we're different people. When I had kids quite young. And I wanted to do that. And he, you know, my other mate didn't have kids and he couldn't see that. Now he's got kids and it, he's quite accepting of it. But it, I, I feel like there's been too much water under the bridge, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we can come back from this. And I'm okay with that because there were times where I had to pick between my mates and my wife when I was young, young, young. We've been together a long time. Like, we, there was times where I'd let her down, times when I let them down. And I just, I was fighting that losing battle, especially with where you're from and who you're drinking with and carry on. Like, you just did that. Everyone does it. My mates do that. Friday night, they go out. They come home Saturday. It's all good. Like, they just, they're still doing that. But I thought that was going to be me forever. But it got to a stage where, especially in my line of work and some of my actions, man, I couldn't, that couldn't be, we couldn't be doing, I can't be doing that. And that's not what I, who I wanted to be. It was just a vicious cycle. So I pulled away from them and I'm proud I did, man. It was super hard. It's not like a Band-Aid. You don't just rip it off. It's a wound that's still you know infected and it still comes up but sacrifices i keep talking about it, man i've sacrificed heaps and i still will sacrifice stuff and i sacrifice a lot of things for my family which is you know that's not negotiable for me but i've sacrificed stuff in my personal life and i'm going to stick with it hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you were... Doing this job, amazing race, yeah. when you're travelling around the world at breakneck speed. It's not like you have time to sit around by the pool and read no, a book, no, no. let's be honest. No. But you do get to have a bit of a look at the culture. You do get to have a bit of a look at the country, certainly if you've never been there before. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you stand in Africa or stand in, in, in South Korea and you look back at Australia, what do you see? Oh, man. Africa rocked me, eh? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know, man. I was just, I'd been away from my family for a long time, and I just remember being in Malawi uh, with these kids that just, bro, they've been there since they were born and shelling peanuts, like the same age as my daughter. I remember going up to one and just giving her a cuddle. And, you know, she's been shelling peanuts since she was three, and she was shelling peanuts. Her legs were sort of wrapped around her mum, and her mum was wrapped around her grandmum. And I could see generations shelling peanuts, man. No school, you know, no. No education, no lifestyle, but they were happy, man. And that rocked me, eh? I used to do a lot of – I still do a bit, but I used to go to the children's hospital a lot, especially playing footy. That was the great thing about rugby league. Introduced me to a lot of people. Uh, And I stopped going for a while when I had my daughter because it's just too hard. But when I got to Africa, man, I'm I'm glad you asked. It was just – 
I mean, Korea and Asia is, you sort of know what to expect because it is so poor and things like that and very dense and, you, you know, you sort of turn a blind eye to stuff. But in Africa, man, it is real. And I just, it hit me, man, about halfway through the race and that was a part of it as well. Like, I looked around to see the crew and cast and everyone was hurting together, but everything was insignificant when we were standing in a village and like there's one, like 30 people sharing a fish or they said don't put food out of the windows and I took, you know, a big box of water over, nearly caused a riot. I was rattled, man. Like, there's kids, like, they're not wearing any clothes. They've got like torn clothes. They've got, you know, hygiene's disgraceful. They've got the big bellies. They've got no water. Then I'd get back to the hotel and I've got three showers in my hotel room. Worked that one out. That rocked me, man. You know, mums have been walking 10 kilometres there, 10 kilometres back, they're gone all day. The dads are hunting, the kids are looking after each other and they've got no water to drink. I've got three showers. I couldn't work that out. I was just sitting in my room and just, that rattled me. I'd FaceTime my family and I don't know, it's hard to explain to you get there. I said this story the other day, like Africa, have you been to Africa? Instantly when I talk about Africa, I see people that have been to Africa and we just smile. I see you've been to Africa, we just smile. Whether it's South Africa or Kenya, Ethiopia, Malawi, you know, Zimbabwe, Zambia, when all, like, doesn't matter, like, different world, man, and brutal and hostile, but a lot of the people are happy, and they've got no idea what's going on in the world, but it rocked me to death, eh? Rocked me big time. When you see that, and then you come back here... We travel a lot, my family and I. We go to, you know, we go to Bali and Indonesia and that, take the kids. And my daughter's at an age now where, like I said earlier, I'm finding the balance hard. So but the balance of providing and trying to give her everything and not and make her grateful. Gratitude's big. I'm big on gratitude, but it's, hard, it's super hard being who I am. And we take them away and we look at villages and we go to watch where the kids are poor and we help with, you know, go to schools and that. But it's just hard for me at the moment, like... I don't know, I'm quite an emotional person and Africa sort of took a piece of me away. I'm not going to lie, man. I I was rocked, eh? And I had a lot of thinking time over there, like a lot of hotel life and in transit and the people are beautiful. Someone said to me, oh, what's Malawi like? I said, best place I've ever been in, ever. And I've been all over the world. I've been to every single continent, best place. They said, wow, what's the food like? I said, not really good. Hotels, like I said, shit house. Animals, not really, didn't really see one. Well, why is it good? I said, the people. The people in Malawi are happy. I just found a lot of peace there. And although I was humbled by how they lived, it just uh, it changed me a bit. Yeah, it rocked me, man. Changed your house so that you, you look for different things to get satisfaction from here in Australia. Where like, oh, I've just got fucking clean water and yeah. uh, clean toilet and food. Just I've got out-of-season apples mm. on call wherever I want them. Probably with gratitude, like... I'm a guy that I thought I just took every job I and mean, I just worked and spent a lot of time out and worried about money a lot. Dr- money drove me. Money did. I'm not like that now. I don't know, but I was slowly getting to that point, but just the little things, little things like time, man, I can't get time back. And I remember how I felt in Africa and I'm super busy now, but I'm still making time, like taking my daughter to school. Although if I'm doing radio, I, I like to either get her or take her there or pick her up it means a lot to me and you can't get that back man and I talk to people say like yourself that have got older kids like I remember when my daughter was born now she's nearly seven camera flash my son's two and a half like he'll be playing footy soon or going to to his prom or something like I don't really know but I don't want to miss that and I just felt like I was because I'm working and working my ass off to provide I lost sight of why I was doing it 
and I lost sight of who I was and nearly lost it all, but luckily still here, man. <laughs> I mean, lucky for us all, Bo, like to have you so honestly talk about that stuff here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are listening, wanting to... Do many people listen to this or what? Yeah, heaps. Okay, good stuff. Mate, we had 250,000 last month. No, more than the race fans. Mate. <laughs> Fucking killing it! So like good. it's podcasting is amazing, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a huge, huge thing. And but what I'm saying is, you know, people because and I see it with I see it with my friend Yumi. All right, it's almost like for the rest of her life in Australia, she'll have to be apologising for something that happened. Mm. Well, two things that happened: one thing with corporate Ben Robert Smith, and one thing that happened with Carrie Ann. She'll have to. Yeah. Okay. Every time she's on camera. Mm. People expect her to apologise. Come on, man. But, you know, it's like people know what happened in your life mm. and, you know, people are listening, you know, hoping to hear some sort of, I guess, contrition or something, you know. Well, and then the way – but just the way you spoke about it before, the way you speak about yeah, it, it's like, like I'm just really grateful that you did. Man. Oh, bro, what do you want me to say? Like, I don't know, man. I'm big on, I'm big on second chances, bro, and I'm big on – I've said it before, like – the industry I'm in, man, I, I had a lot of doors open when I was playing footy and I was in a blur, man. I was in whirlwind, man. Everything was given to me. Every single thing I wanted, I could get. Everything. You know, fast cars, fast women, all that shit. And I wasn't happy. And I had was earning serious dollars at nine. I was on serious money. I had serious opportunities, wonderful exposure, everything, but I wasn't happy. And I can scale it back and and look at what does make me happy and that's the part Africa played and, you know, obviously the shit that went down with my family but you don't really know what you got until it's literally gone or going. You don't. And the way I've felt in the past, I know I've felt bad for different reasons. Some my own, some weren't. But the ones that hurt you the most are the decisions that you've made. When you hurt people you've loved or when you've affected the lives of people around you because of your decisions, that hurts the most. That's the hardest. I don't care what anyone says. For me, things can be unfortunate. You can lose a job. You can lose a contract. You can lose a loved one. But when it's your actions, bro, I went to hell and back and it really, really rocked me and made a promise that ain't going to happen again. Mate, just the way you've been speaking for the last hour, I have every faith that yeah. you'll stick to that because you sound Unless to me- I get kidnapped in Africa or something and I'm still over there and I just end up living in a village. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't ruling that out, bro. I don't know. I, I have a fair idea of the kind of security you would have taken with you and I'm pretty sure you would have been all right because yeah. I've been to Africa with TV work and I've done the kidnap yeah, rules too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, it, it's like, what's that movie? Uh, is it Man of Man on Fire, Man Apart? What is that one with Denzel Washington where you think you're going to get kidnapped all the time? I actually, I'm actually into that shit. I'm like, I'm all about the journey, man. So let's go on a bit of a ride. You're not going to be, wanna... be Tiger Woods training with the Navy oh, yeah, Seals. Nah, Remember nah, all that shit when nah. Tiger Woods was like well, door busting? And... No, nah, what happened? Oh, shit. Tiger Woods got bored of being the greatest golfer on the planet. So he, st- he hooked up with the Navy Seals at Camp Pendleton in, in South, Cali- I think South California. Yeah. And he started like training with AR-15s and busting oh, indoors and learning and fucked his knee up and blew him out for the next season. And that's it was the injury that he had. That, I didn't that's, know when that. he, that's when he got into trouble down here because he wanted to play soldiers. Really? I thought yeah. it was hookers. He was rooting hookers. 
he was doing a lot of things that were pretty. His dad was like, I think the story. I think the model of of Michael Jackson's dad. I think Tiger's dad kind of followed. It was grim. Like yeah. the whole story. Like oh, when you look bro. at what Tiger's dad was like. Oh come it's on, it's no man. fucking wonder that Tiger ended yeah. up the way Tiger ended oh, up. No, that's that's those dads down at Cronulla that you're feeling at their kids. Well, mate, kind of, I think yeah. it all ties it in a bow of, of of why you want to be the best dad you can. Mm. Because if there's one thing I know from G, as this Uber driver was asking me the other day, is like, so how do you, you know, my my girl, she's you know eight, and yours it was at the time, other day, fuck, when she was about twelve. He said his daughter was about eight. He goes, how do I get her to do what I want? It's like if there's one thing I know, it's if, I, if I tell her to do something, she'll do the opposite. The mm. only thing that she will do is what she sees her mum and I do. Mm. She'll just copy what we do. And yeah. if we are, as long as we keep giving her a, so a, good, a thing to aspire to and live a life that we would be happy with, that means we have to be on point. Oh, so because good, all they do is copy what they see. That's the actions reflecting values. And that's, I mean... We live in a world now, me and you and, and everyone else, but me and you especially, like, people can say whatever they want. At the end of the day, you got to go and prove, and it takes time. I'm emotional and I'm quite hands-on. Like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a handsy guy. I like, I like affection with my wife and that. And we're, we're, doing, we're trying that now. I mean, I, I grew up in a – but basically back then, guys weren't emotional, man. No. Guys weren't like, you, you, if you're sad, go and cheer up. Come yeah. back when you cheered. Yeah. But now, man, I, I talk to guys every day, man. Some of my best mates have, you know, been through shit. I've been through shit, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want to press that. Like, I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'm, I'm all about, you know, grieving, being upset, being happy. Like, a close friend of mine, I've got to go to a funeral tomorrow for a little girl, and oh. um, it's hard. Um, I hate him, but I'll go and see him, and you know, that'll take a part of me away. But we'll go there and we'll talk and. People look and they go, oh, you know, you're this guy or this footy player. Man, man, if we're going to cry, let's cry. If we're going to hug it out, let's do it. I'm all about it. And I'd rather people be emotional with me and, and be open with me so we can get the best out of them rather than the other side of the coin, which I'm, I've seen so close and I've seen so many go, mates go through it. So I like being my mate, the mate that people ring. I like being that guy. My wife says I need to toughen up a bit, but I've got to find the middle ground. <laughs> I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> Mate, thanks so much for making the time for this today. Thanks for having me, man. So there he is. That's Bo Ryan. You can find Bo on Twitter. You can find him on Instagram, The Real Bo Ryan, T-H-E-R-E-A-L-B-E-A-U-R-Y-A-N. Let him know you heard him here. He's also on The Amazing Race, uh, which is this week on Network 10. Thank you so much to Andy Ma, my audio producer who made this show happen, Rachel Barrett, whom without which life does not continue. Uh, my wife for being incredible Shannon and the team at the Batuta Advocate Studios for helping me still make this podcast while um, our baby room (laughs) has overtaken the podcast studio at my place Mike Mills for all the music and you for listening because without you there is no show thank you so much for listening thanks for being a part of it all 310 episodes damn look at us go I'll talk to you on Friday I'll check in with you then. Until we speak in a couple of days, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.